folks, welcome back to the H Factor on the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, new day, new show, awesome topic. Uh, it's something that we've alluded to in multiple shows, but we never took the time to discuss in depth. And today we will do that. And this is the topic of the importance of sleep and uh, also, <laughs> you know, the problem of a lack of sleep that we we have in today's society for various reasons. But with me today, I have someone who's an expert in this matter. Dr. Dylan Petkus is going to guide us and take us through the journey of sleep and how is it important and what we need to do to fix ourselves, you know, and our sleep patterns and so on and so forth so we can stay healthy and the relationship of all the above. Doctor, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, listen, it, it's a pleasure. As as you and I were briefly were talking prior to the show, I, I really had covered you know the importance of sleep we talk fitness we talk wellness a lot of times in different shows and we always uh you know and we talked about you know with some coaches and things and we always refer to like the importance of sleep you know as part of a full complete package but we never actually talk about like you know why people are not sleeping and what's the importance of real sleep you know in terms of a medical aspect of it and the breakdown of what causes lack of its sleep apnea and all those things uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I were just joking today <laughs> literally about it, you know, and so, you know, sleep is like, you know, uh, it's 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 the most important thing to me. Like, you know, I, I can't, I'm a zombie if I don't sleep enough, uh, it's just for me, for example. And then also snoring is a big deal when someone is uh, not getting enough or maybe not a position. So there's a lot of things that that that, that refer to sleep in, in, in our life and, um, and, and affect it. So doctor, first things first, as always, take us a little bit through your journey and your expertise uh, as, as a specialist in this particular area of, uh, I guess, medicine. Yeah. So in terms of like my journey with this, cause it's, I mean, you know, you have doctors who um, a, a lot of time they, they, they will specialize something that was a part of their own journey. Okay. Cause I mean, there, there's very few doctors who are like, man, I really, you know, <laughs> I don't have personal connection. I don't have a personal connection with this disease. Let me go. It, usually there's a personal connection to it. Uh, so with sleep for me, uh, long, long ago, um, you know, I was having a lot of my own, uh, you know, breakdowns in my sleep, right? Of where it was like, you know, having nights where it's like, okay, wake up once or twice. You don't really think anything of it at first. You're just like, uh, whatever. Um, and then like, sort of and you only ever notice this when looking back at it right it's like oh man i was starting to drag and then i decided coffee is great two cups of coffee let's go three let's let's do coffee instead of water coffee is basically all water so let's just kind of that that's fine uh but then like you know really devolving to a point where me waking up like maybe like pretty much every hour on the hour uh there and just like absolutely brutal getting through the day uh at the time i was in grad school and just like I would just remember like being in meetings and like in the beginning of meetings, cause meetings are boring. Let's, let's be honest. But in the beginning of the meeting, like already like kind of nodding off, like really not be able to hold a conversation or trying to work. And just like, you ever just like look at a screen and you can see stuff there, but like, it just doesn't go into your head. Like <laughs> that's how I live. <laughs> uh, so being able to like really see that as a problem and then, you know, uh, you know, go through the process where you, you go to a uh, your your primary care doctor, right? Like family medicine, which is part of my background. Uh, then you go to a sleep specialist, and then maybe if you're lucky, um, when this happened for me at home, sleep studies weren't really a thing yet. But 
go to a sleep lab and then uh, you're told all sorts of things, right? Like I, I was told I have uh, moderate sleep apnea, you know, other sort of issues there, which didn't really make sense because I don't really look like someone who used to be very large. Um, but like, you know, you have these issues come up and then you do a lot of the typical things, whether it's um, from like CPAPs and mouthpieces, uh, melatonin, all the things, but like still not making progress here. Um, so that's when like, you know, like when you wrestle with an issue and then like you're really forced, like, okay, let me kind of come at this a different angle. And, and that's kind of what I had to do there. Um, and that's, you know, the kind of the beginning of my journey, which go through my own issue. We want to talk more about that, but then also bringing those lessons to patients, et cetera, uh, locally, virtually, all that good stuff. Thank you. Well, first of all, I have to say not all the doctors that I've spoken to had a personal uh, relationship with whatever practice that they have, or at least specialty. Some of them, they, they just, you know, love what they, they specialize on based on, you know, I guess the air education, you know, when you're in med school, for example, you have different ways of, you know, growing into the meds level. And then as a doctor, you get to pick different specialties and, you know, based on whatever your, I guess, ambitions or liking you do it, but, but you have a more unique, you know, perspective because you really were a patient yourself of this particular, uh, I mean, it's a medical condition or health condition that can really be brutal on, on people. And, and we're going to talk about the, the damage and all the, the, you know, I guess the ramifications of lack of sleep period and what it could do to, to everything, whether in personal life, to the physical aspect and everything else and affects everybody around you as well. Uh, but, but you had that, that's awesome. And then, so you were in school and then you decided, okay, this is my area. I'm, I'm going to get into it. And you did. Uh, and so, so, and by the way, I, I know that there's like you mentioned, you know, sleep clinics and things like that. I've I've seen those, I've heard about them, but but you never think like you know, I mean, is there a specialist that actually does this? I mean, or are the techs or are there really doctors that actually behind you know this particular uh, aspect of helping people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, sleep doctors, right? That'll be kind of a more of a specialist. Um, and the I know because like when we say sleep for most of the population we're thinking about you know am i falling asleep quickly am i staying asleep am i waking up and feeling refreshed um which are the i would call them like subclinical sleep issues right because a sleep specialist uh they're going to be really honed in on like certain things that uh they're not in the everyday conversation like night terrors, bruxism, uh, like all, all these very, uh, you know, clinical, very, very clinical issues that normal day people uh, don't ex experience here. So sleep doctors are really great for those entities. And, you know, they can help with different aspects, right? Like uh, being able to determine, okay, what may be an appropriate treatment for sleep apnea, right? Right. Uh, but a lot of times, who's like, who's the first doctor you bring a conversation to your sleep about it's usually your primary care doctor right so whether it is family medicine whether it is internal medicine i mean those are gonna be the, the main two uh that's who's more so on the front lines and that's why you know we'll you know do what we can in that capacity anything beyond that yeah um where it does really become medical we're talking like heart failure causing central sleep apnea like all these things that are going to be smaller percentage of the population you know sleep like a sleep doctor uh would be able to dive into that but also like really the the grand majority of the issue is, is more of these subclinical 
pictures there. That makes sense. Yes. Well, so so again, for for the common person, I mean, we all know what sleep is, right? I mean, <laughs> we we grew up sleeping. You know, every since you're a baby, you 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 sleep enough, you know, hours hopefully, and then as you grow up, you know, the patterns you know shift. But so let's let's define that. I mean, as you said, I mean, there's the the falling asleep, and there's the while you're sleeping, there's other things that come off while you're sleeping, like snoring, things like I was making a joke earlier. But but really, let's define you know the status or the state of, of sleep and and what it means to us in terms of uh, a human being and and the health of it. And then then let's talk about some of the conditions that that are or problems that are for people that are not getting enough sleep. And then ultimately, let's talk about some of the reasons why they're not. And hopefully, you know, then we can talk about really what are some of the I guess the treatments that are available uh, to help people get better uh, and avoid any of the bad things to their health. Yeah. So the I think that the big mindset shift people need to have around sleep is like not viewing it as this like nice to have thing, right? Which I get maybe the case when you have kids. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and no. like, you know, then, then, a, then. That, that's a whole nother podcast episode or, or a show. But like, Sleep is a a basic function, okay? Because if you had trouble with breathing, if you couldn't see one morning, if you couldn't hear one morning, you would freak out, okay? Rightfully so, <laughs> okay? And if you don't, maybe we have a, a different conversation. But like sleep is such a basic phenomenon of how you're able to like rejuvenate, repair, repair your cells at night, restore neurotransmitter, all these different things. But like, I, I think as, as modern civilization has evolved, it has started to be looked at as like a luxury rather than like, no, like this is just as essential as breathing here. Okay. Like it should just be, it should be easy. It should just happen, but it doesn't. And now we have like a culture of like, well, to sleep well, you need to do red light therapy while doing a handstand and you know, like all, all these things that happen. Right. Um, So like in the approach then, like you need to be asking yourself, not so much like, what can I do to affect my sleep? Okay, a little bit nuanced. You're like kind of like trying to force this thing. But like, how can I allow sleep to happen more easily here? Because like your body should naturally be able to do it. There's just a lot of things in the way of that. Okay, whether for instance, uh, like the time someone's up at night, what we're on right now, screens, uh, all these different things get in the way. And like, we have to be able to like decide like, okay, what's getting in the way of that? Because like, I mean, like, when I went to high school, cell phones were starting to, to, to become a thing. Um, and like, you know, I doubt most parents were like, my my teenager can't sleep, right? But nowadays, now we're all confused. <laughs> like, why, why can't kids sleep nowadays? What's going on here? But it, it's being able to really recognize, like, it's, it's kind of things falling apart that shouldn't there. That's why it's like really, a, you know, yes, I know medical issues weigh abound, but like even at a primary care uh, standpoint, you, you need to be able to have those conversations because when we think about sleep again not only is it a basic thing it really represents how your whole body works okay because if someone can't i mean i hear this all the time people like i'll talk to them and they'll be like uh like patients oh hey like you know i sleep three hours but otherwise i'm healthy like that doesn't i've heard that before <laughs> yeah <laughs> that doesn't really go together that, that's like I broke my ankle, but otherwise I can I can walk pretty. Like, no, 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 that's not it. So I, people need to appreciate it. it's really a representation of like your whole body health if you if you're not sleeping well. And 
being able to approach it as such, it, it, that allows for actual change to happen there. Well, thank you. That Well, you, you know, it's amazing. I love what you said that this is not something it's good to have. It is almost a mandate for our health. I mean, we are supposed to sleep a certain amount of time to reset our body and our cells and everything has to re kind of, uh, group itself <laughs> and just take take a, a break if you want to call it that way i mean that's really the best thing and uh historically you know people pretty much we know this from just you know stories of grandparents and, and great-grandparents people slept early like you know by by sunset you know they're gone i mean there's no other a century ago whatever there was no real you know entertainment and places where you could be you know at late hours so you basically be sleeping after sunset and you wake up in the dawn and you know at dawn and that's it and life goes on again during the daylight but that's shifted with progress and and and, and you just mentioned the technology and the screen stuff and that's becoming more relevant and uh, even from a psychiatry perspective there have been studies that that is affecting even the psyche and all how people are behaving and things like that but but this was supposed to be something, and I, you mentioned something that's, that's really inter interesting because I've heard that story before, at least that line before, and many people are like, oh, I get five hours, three hours, and I'm good. I wake up. you know, I don't sleep much, but what's the detriment? What is the damage that's doing to you, right? That's a big deal, uh, and from a health perspective, I can tell you personally, I don't get my, my beauty sleep for at least eight hours. I am not functioning well. I mean, I'm literally a zombie. I can't fo you know, focus. Um, very grouchy and you know i can get really angry very easy all these things i mean are at least my experiences like you know that's how i see it but from your your expertise as as a specialist in this particular area uh you know let's talk about like the reasons why people don't sleep because i think that's that's really for our audiences what they need to avoid really i mean if you know what the problem is there's a good chance you can prevent it i mean i'm always talking about preventative health in general with different you know topics this is a big deal here. How do we prevent these kind of concepts of lack of sleep? Now, and also, if you don't mind, doctor, if you can just maybe define some of these, uh, I guess, diagnoses such as sleep apnea and uh, anything else that you might. When uh, I start to become concerned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, yeah, definitely in more practical terms. So like when I like I always like to look like, like, a, like a clock, like over the progress of the night of like where are the major areas because those those all tell you different things right because it's like um like a car right you have a different problem if you can't start it versus if you go 45 miles an hour and you hear a noise right so with sleep again starting from kind of going to bed here it takes you more than 20 minutes to fall asleep okay now this doesn't count as you just like laying in bed and like reading that's you're not trying to go to sleep it's like all right bedtime lights out head on pillow more than 20 minutes this is if we want to get super technical, you have now like the sleep latency is starting to get too long. You're now falling into primary insomnia. Okay. We're like going into sleep. Okay. Well, really primary being like by itself, secondary would be like, let's say if you were on some sort of medication and causing you to be excited. Right. But primary medication onset insomnia. Okay. Primary onset. Now we're in a medical lecture here, but onset it makes sense you're trying to start sleep like the beginning of sleep then and we'll we'll go back around to like the main things that feed into these then in the middle because you're trying to maintain sleep maintenance insomnia here okay 
And by the way, if you learn this and then you go to your doctor and you can say, I think I had maintenance insomnia, that will save you like 10 minutes of having to go through like history. So <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, but that, that's waking up. Uh, now there is like, because in a sleep lab, or I mean, some people uh, maybe with aura rings, I know it's a, or even like a, a whoop or any of these sort of devices, there's something called, uh, it's very catchy uh waso is what it's called in the sleep literature but th- basically how that acronym breaks down is how, like how often are you awake in the middle of the night here okay and when it goes above a certain threshold then that's problematic now we can kind of tell this is going to be hard to track unless you have a ring or something like that and you, you know it's good data so honestly rule of thumb for like everyone listening well, I guess it'd be a rule of three fingers. If you're getting up more than like three times a night, that's not good there. That's because like once, okay, twice, now we're in a gray zone. Three times, let, let's start to be concerned about this <laughs> here. And that's maintenance insomnia, okay? And then the very last one, so again, so it was onset, like coming on, maintenance in the middle. So the last one, is basically just like, uh, you know, I mean, I think more colloquially, it's like early awakening would be it. You get up at three, you get up at four, you're like, you're like, all right, I got my get up and go. But then like two hours later, five, six, you're like, oh, crap, why didn't I I sleep here? All right. That's going to be kind of that morning insomnia there. So that's kind of the the main ones. Now within that, you have different things that cause that, right? So like sleep apnea, where you're not breathing in the middle of the night, waking up, that's going to fall into maintenance insomnia here. But it can also cause sort of uh, the, the morning one, the early awakening, right? Because if you if this happens for people, they they start the night out with the CPAP on, right? And then, you know, maybe it's 3 a.m., they get woken up by it, they take it off, they can't fall back asleep, right? So it kind of goes into different categories depending on when it is, okay? Now, what drives each one, right? So for the onset going to bed i would say this is going to be mediated more by nervous system being overactivated okay so this is when like whether it's relaxation coming into the picture like that's going to be a really big component to it okay now that's like more of like what's your nervous system going into well there's really two layers I don't, like there should be a grid here this is getting highly educational but nervous system so i'm going to say the two biggest things are going to be nervous system and then also uh your circadian rhythm. Okay. What's your circadian rhythm? It's the internal timing mechanism of all the processes in your body, right? Sleep should happen at a certain time. Okay. Unless you're a night shift. And if you're in a night shift, you should be on day shift. Just saying, um, you'll live longer anyway. So with the nervous system, it'll be kind of above a certain baseline that prevents you from falling asleep. The nervous system issue with maintenance insomnia, this is going to be when you have a high, but really a lower threshold, which I know is confusing, but you have a lower arousal threshold. So the most common way that people know about this is when, you know, moms, especially, you know, in the first 10 years of being a mom, there is that listening out for your kids thing, which I'm not sure if that actually has a medical term, but it's a very real thing. And... (laughs) That will cause many times like women to like wake up because they think like a little noise over there is like they're kind of like trained to do that very hardwired. Their threshold 
is, is lower. So if you're a light sleeper, you have a lower threshold. If you're a heavy sleeper, like a bomb could go off and you still be asleep, you have a very high threshold of arousal. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night, you have a lower threshold of arousal. Okay. And then towards the end, I mean, that's more a circadian piece there where cortisol just going up too early there. Uh, now kind of wrapping back, we're going all over the place here, but that's fine. Uh, circadian aspects where you, it takes too long to fall asleep. Your body's not making enough melatonin to help you drift off. Okay. And then maintenance insomnia, you're not maintaining a high enough amount of melatonin because um, melatonin should be like a wave. Like think of an ocean wave here. Okay. It should be like really big coming in and then a bigger wave is able to go further up shore, right? But if a small wave doesn't do that. So like the big wave helps you fall asleep. And then as it like kind of kind of drips out through your body, that's interesting visual, but yeah, well, we just ruined the whole nice ocean wave. But now, now if you have enough, it helps you get through the rest of the night. But if you don't, then you're going to wake up. So those are the kind of the major factors there. Well, I love it, by the way. I think you're doing perfectly fine because I mean, it's very clear we have three main stages here you know it's just starting to sleep and you need to have certain factors to get you in and hopefully if you can that's great but i think the the bigger problem is once you get asleep you know if you can maintain it uh through through a, a good distance of of the night i mean there's there's a few hours at, you know in, in that particular sleep time hopefully eight hours i'm assuming about four or five hours of that is the middle and then you start kind of slowly getting into that last you know phase where you have to start getting ready to wake up and I love what you said about that wave. I mean, I'll, I'll call that tsunami of melatonin. You just like, yeah. <laughs> you got to get a whole bunch of that stuff to, to just crash. But let's talk about that, not, not melatonin, right? I mean, we hear that all the time. I mean, it's very common. You can get a supplement. But what does it really do? I mean, I, we know that it helps to sleep here. I mean, obviously, that that's the purpose. But, you know, let's talk about the, I guess, the chemical functionality of it and how it it triggers, you know, the body to to mellow down. I guess yeah. <laughs> so good. So, uh, so with melatonin, I want to make two categories here, uh, if permittable by the, the the grander audience here. So, uh, one is like what your body makes, and then like the supplements, the gummies, the drops, the all that stuff. So, what your body makes uh, now? Okay, when I say this, chemically they're the same, but we need to consider the differences between the two. Okay, so when your body makes melatonin. It goes from your pineal gland into like your cerebral spinal fluid. Okay. If everyone gets out their neuroanatomy brain, kind of the, let's just say the middle of the brain. And then it goes in there and then it goes throughout your body. Okay. Now this is super important. Okay. Cause imagine if you had like a, a glass of water, right. And you put a, a dropper of blue dye into it, right. It's going to be super high concentration and then mm -hmm. spread out. Yep. Okay. That sends a very particular type of signal to your whole body, okay? Because for sleep to happen, it's a progression of your mind shutting off and then your body shutting off, okay? Because in certain stages, like it's in deeper stages of sleep, well, like kind of middle stages of sleep, uh, that's when your brain will paralyze your muscles, okay? If you ever had night paralysis, it's terrifying, but it's... <laughs> normal physiology well not the terror part but you know what i mean so that's really the directionality that needs to happen okay when you take it in a supplemental form you do the exact opposite okay because it goes into your gut right 
and then it spreads out through your body. And then the last place it ends up in is your brain. So there's going to be a big difference in how that should be. And that's why, um, like I will say 98 times out of 100, the, the, the typical story I'll hear from people while taking melatonin, it was great when it started, it kind of worn off. And now I'm not sure if it's doing anything. <laughs> that's like the, the stages of grief, if you will, on that one. And, and this is a big part of why. But then the other thing is, again, when you have that like melatonin wave here, right? Uh, to your point, when you take it in a supplement, it is like a tsunami. Okay. <laughs> it's like, goes, goes really high. But then also just like a, a tsunami, when it goes really high, then when the water pulls back into the ocean, it's really fast. So it doesn't really stay around at yes, there'll be flooding and all that. Uh, but for the, the sake of this example, it goes back into the ocean pretty quickly. So when that happens, again, it's a different signal, right? But then like, just like with the flooding with the tsunami here, same thing happens with melatonin, right? Where yes, it goes up and down more quickly, but some of it hangs around in the morning. So that's why another part of that melatonin, the melatonin gummy story is, you know, you feel groggier in the morning, which is partly from melatonin being too high, right? But then the other thing, and this is where circadian rhythm come in, is it, like, uh, so your circadian rhythm, it's a clock, right? And if you're listening, close your eyes. Well, if you're not, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you're, if, if you're safe, you can close your eyes. Uh, you know, we think about a clock, right? Like, like think of like a, one of those like fancy Rolexes where you can like see all the gears. That's what your circadian rhythm is like. It's all these biochemicals sort of, sort of like, interacting with each other so that they work okay and to simplify it further you can just think of them on seesaws because i mean i've been on more seesaws than i've seen nice watches so that works for me so with this when melatonin goes up cortisol goes down okay so thus when like i said earlier when like the early awakening it's because if cortisol went up and melatonin went down right now if you influence melatonin to be too high you are now going to lower cortisol and mechanistically how that happens. Melatonin will block one of the receptors that allows cortisol to work. And then now you're groggy in the morning, but then guess what? If you don't raise your cortisol in the morning, then you don't set your circadian rhythm up for the day and you're tired and then you can't sleep. Like it, it becomes this problem there. Whereas natural melatonin doesn't have that problem. Okay. Um, those are the kind of two main things there. It's, and it's why, cause like melatonin essentially it will, you know, like, uh recently we you know set clocks i don't uh, daylight savings i don't want to talk about it. it's just silly but uh just happened I mean, huh? <laughs> uh, it's, it's like the silliest thing ever uh but like that's what melatonin does it's it, it, it like sets your clock and it's like nighttime okay it's like nighttime mode. let's go um and then all then the nighttime things will happen because it's not just melatonin that's involved in sleeping at night it's it's a whole cascade of neurotransmitters and hormones like GABA, serotonin, even norepinephrine, uh, antidiuretic hormone, all these different things come out after melatonin kind of sets things to night mode there. So that's why you need to be able to make sure that's done correctly, right? Like more naturally would be better than taking from a, like a pill will work, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, if you have an option to, you know, and build, you know, do it a little bit more gently. Natural. That would be advised. Well, so doctor, let's talk about that. You know, because uh, people today are more 
easily persuaded of the route of supplements versus maybe doing something naturally to the body to reset the rhythm, to reset the actual melatonin production and all this stuff. So, so what can we, how can we guide people to maybe trigger that, which is the more natural way to get it really flowing correctly and then get that nice, sweet, you know, sleep, you know, throughout the night without anything, because as you, as you state, yeah, I mean, like everything else, we can get all the supplements we want, but they're, they're still brought up, you know, in a, like you said, to, it's the best description. They're going through the gut first before they, they get into the bloodstream and then they get to the neurosystem neuro where it's supposed to be originally generated. So it's kind of like, you know, going reverse. Yes, it gives you that rush. It gives you that stuff, but it's not consistent. But if it fails, then you have worse, you know, ongoing issues because now you're yeah. almost addicted to it because you have to maintain it. And it's, and it's not, it's almost like playing against your regular melatonin production yeah am i am i getting even that right no, you're, you're right you're you're instead of going with your rhythm you're trying to like swim against the waves pretty much well we don't we don't want that right <laughs> we don't we don't want that well all right um, so, so so doc what would you say to people to avoid that and how can we maybe reverse that and get our melatonin naturally uh you know set so we can have a nice sweet sleep night i, I would say it kind of ties in what we uh, mentioned in the beginning, you know, we're talking about like screens, right? It's not just screens. It's not like if you stare at the, you know, I have an another monitor over here. It's off. Like that's not the problem. It's the light coming from it. Right. Ooh, light. So like whether you're watching, like you see my glasses and I finally figured out why you were like, you had this red, you had this red like tint to you. And I was trying to convince you it's just my aura and all I'm, I'm joking, but uh, I have a, I have a blue light filter on my computer. It, it, I was like, that's it. That's why there's a little bit of red glow on me. Um, so like how you can do that is going to be huge. I mean, like, even if like, if like someone doesn't want to go out and like buy something, you can literally like just take a pair of sunglasses you got and, and wear them at night. And then yes, you can also listen to that song. I'm not sure if anyone even knows what that is anymore, but uh, it's like from the eighties, but like that will reduce the quantity and the quality of light to help your body then make melatonin at the right time there. So that'd probably be like the, I mean, that's usually number one thing I tell people. Well, I I know this this there's a lot of talk about the Blu-rays that we have from the screens, the the phones, and all the stuff, and and I think the computer screens are one thing. I mean, not everybody's behind the computer, you know, at night, but everybody now is with their phone at bed with maximum light, and it's really it. I mean, I I have like a screen, you know, protector as you said, like a blue, you know, cover and uh, a blue light cover, and I have also glasses, you know, and it's still not enough. But I think. Uh, what I've heard so far is that many, much of the advice that you hear around is that you need at least to be off the screens an hour or plus, you know, before you go to bed. Otherwise, you basically are almost simulated or stimulated to actually stay awake. You know, is that a myth or is that a reality? No, that's true. So it it will. So the intensity will vary because like even if like, I don't know, what, like what is what is the most like natural thing we could do? Like if we had a campfire, <laughs> uh, like that's a pretty natural light source, I guess. Uh, it's red, that, which is good. <laughs> yeah, that, that still would be a sufficient enough light quantity or intensity to you know keep your mind activated or your brain rather activated. So having that like gap, even if it's like a like a, some people are like, oh yeah, I have everything filtered, I'm all great, I'm wearing two pairs of blue blockers, great, cool, but like it's still like having very, very low and especially uh, we're kind of getting the field here, but like with a device, 
Uh, there's a lot of other things with it, not just the quantity of it, but also like, you know, this is going to be polarized light, which it has a different biological effect. There's like, you know, also something called light flicker. Uh, do you remember trying to take a, a picture on a computer screen with like some of the first generation iPhones? Yeah. You know, like it has this line mm -hmm. that goes down here, really pulling from yeah. the memory banks. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, the light we're all seeing right now, unless someone's on some crazy special monitor, uh, it's actually flickering, right? So that has, yeah, it, it's just flicker. You can't perceive it unless you go around taking pictures of stuff with an iPhone three. Then you know that's you see that's, it. <laughs> that, that's interesting. But otherwise, like you're not going to see that, but it's biologically affecting you there. So that's really the reason why, like people say, like one hour, two hours, uh, people will find their sweet spot. Of course, um, I really find with my patients like. People have very individual responses to these things. Uh, some people have to be like three hours. Some people could be like 30 minutes. Uh, but you just got to find that spot for you. Thank you. So so a couple of things that that people that I hear all the time, and, and maybe you can literally give us some guidance here or at least clarify things for us. One is, um, you know, when we talk nutrition and food and health, you know, there's usually a discussion about not eating late. Uh, because then your system is is operational and you're trying to digest and that, that therefore that prevents you from sleeping. Is that a, a thing? And similarly, we hear about, let's say, caffeine intake or anything with some sort of, uh, I guess, a potent, you know, uh, drink <laughs> that's uh -huh. going to get you wired up. And then ultimately, there's other things such as stress and or maybe just think overthinking about things. So some people sometimes they, I mean, today we live in a world where you take your work with your home, right? I mean, and you have a deadline first day in the morning or you have a meeting that's eight o'clock in the morning and you're like thinking about it and you you basically have a white night. You can't even go to sleep because you're so focused on what's going to happen. Your mind is like, you know, working double time. Uh, so let's talk about are those things that are uh, real effect and 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 uh, if they are, how can we? Well, I mean, ultimately the result will be yeah, like, don't do stop. the thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, but but it is a fact. I mean, these are real facts, correct? Yeah. So, so so how that works? Because um, so like one of the things I always encourage people to do is like don't don't see like health tips like as these flashcards where it's like three different things. You want to like it's all really together and cohesive. And what I mean by that, for instance, eating late, right? Um, I was going to mention this with melatonin, but uh, so again, we had the, the the seesaw, right? Melatonin, cortisol, but there's also like many different variants of this, right? So like there's also melatonin and dopamine. They, they're on a seesaw. Melatonin and insulin, they're on a seesaw, okay? And this is where eating too late comes in, right? You eat, Insulin goes up, it's a seesaw, and that will impair. Now, there's there's, there's some complicated biochemistry in between, but <laughs> we'll keep it simple. And when insulin goes up, that will actually uh, reduce melatonin production at night there. Okay. And like, same thing, you mentioned stress, right? What happens when we're stressed out? Cortisol. Oh, here we are. Here we are again. Same, same, same mechanic there. So that's why, like, you know, you don't have that sort of common way to sort of thread things together is important. Rain chemicals, huh? I mean, <laughs> we, we we need to, I mean, but that's the thing. This is, I love this, this discussion because you're bringing things that sometimes most of us in the common world, we don't think about brain chemical and chemical reaction and all things that affect it. We just think, you know, we're working and it's, it's all good and something is off. 
but only when things don't work out our way we start maybe asking questions but sometimes it's too late and uh, and and therefore we need someone such as yourself to get that because a lot of people try to get different meditation you know maybe listening to some music to calm them down I'm not even sure if that works. I mean, because some people, you put music, they're not going to go sleep. Or you put, even if it's just sounds, you know, and you had a lot of sites and things where you can download these these nice ocean waves or, you know, water mm-hmm. river, you know. It, it might work for some. It may not work for, for others because I've seen that happen. Um, do those do, uh, you know, work, doctor? Or they're just basically, you know, again, each person is different. It's going to depend because remember when I was talking about like, you know, kind of the two main ones, like is your nervous system messing things up? Is it your melatonin? If we wanted to add a layer of sleep apnea, is it your breathing that's messing things up? Uh, so it really depends like, okay, where where is that individual thing? Uh, well, even so, like what's the biggest lever there? Because someone's going to have deficits in all three, but like say, say a patient with sleep apnea, okay? If we had 10 minutes before bed, and our options are to meditate or do some breath work. <laughs> One of those is, I mean, if we did them together, that'd be, that'd be way better. But like, you know, you want to sort of pick and choose based on your needs there. All right. So now the big question, uh, you and I briefly mentioned it before, talked about it before the show, mitochondria. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's go there. So with, this is where, when I came in, when I said like, when you got to think of sleep as like a basic function right and if we want to really break it down it's like it's your body working in a certain fashion right and if we really go biophysical work is just the energy exerted on something to move it like you push a block in the big world you you did some work okay uh maybe you didn't get paid for it but in a physics textbook it's it's work but in the cells you need energy to do any sort of work okay what produces energy? Okay. And if we all pull out the powerhouse of the cell from like, you know, high school, whenever that was, uh, that's what that is, your mitochondria. So how this fits in the sleep and why I was saying, again, common threads are really good ways to go about this. Mitochondria produce energy, right? To have that basic function. Okay. If you like people with mitochondrial diseases, right? They will have issues with like basically everything. Breathing will be very hard and difficult. Uh, thermoregulation, like very, very basic stuff and sleep, right? Why is that? Well, you need that biochemical energy to actually allow the cells to function like for the, you know, the right neurotransmitters get released, like some GABA over here, some, you know, acetylcholine over there. You actually need your mitochondria to be functioning properly for that. Okay. And how your body works is essentially, uh, when it's trying to decide how to use this energy, it's like a budget, okay? Like say if you have, uh, you know, X amount of dollars every month, you allocate to a bunch of different things. Okay, cool. Next month, oh, budget's a little bit tight. Now you have you have a decision. You have your list and you have like gas, electric, <laughs> and yeah. then like, uh, I don't know, Netflix, okay? <laughs> One of those things is gonna come off the budget that it's like the nice thing, right? But you know, it's you know, we we don't really need this here, okay? And we're kind of coming back to how, like, even evolutionary wise, sleep can sometimes be viewed as a luxury. Because all things considered, you know, if you don't breathe, that's gonna kill you. If you don't sleep, okay, it's gonna be a bad day, right? But you'll still be alive. 
right? So sleep is one of those things on that budget there that will start to get sort of, you know, things taken away from. So then that falls apart. But then the other big thing, because it's not just the energy side, because most people are aware, like your mitochondria produce energy. That's great. ATP. Awesome. But your mitochondria produce a lot of things. Okay. It, think of it like a factory. It produces many things. Okay. Uh, whether it's like free radicals, whether it is like even proteins going in and out of there, whole lot of stuff. One of the things it produces is actually melatonin. Okay. That is the, you know, when they look at like, you know, electron mic microscopes, which is a fancy way for microscopes that see really, really small things. Uh, you will see all the enzymes for melatonin in mitochondria here. So when your mitochondria aren't working well, then you're not producing as much melatonin there. And then that's how that all sort of fits together there. So that's the factory. <laughs> that's what we that's, need to That's the thing, yeah. That's that's where it all happens. All right, well, thank you, Doc. So so one more thing. Um physical activity. Um, is there a particular time where we need to stop it so the body can wind up? Because some people sometimes they don't have time during the day and they decide to work out at night. Um, is that something that could affect, you know, their stuff? I'm, I'm assuming yes, but just from your medical expertise, what, what's your take on that? It, it depends on the person. So like some people who their nervous system is already shot, like working out too close to bed, you know, could make things worse. Uh, some people, it, it may help. Okay. And I would say like, if you were to force me to choose generally, which would be better, like, I don't know, my hands raising in zoom, it's trying to make me do my hand raise, but anyway, uh, when you work out, the, the main benefit is more so your temperature dropping afterwards. That's what helps actually initiate sleep there for people. Now, I would say probably the best window, like probably two hours before, at least, that would be kind of like the bare minimum. Uh, closer than that is like really not good. But actually, let me kind of, kind of walk this back a little bit. So when that exercise referred to like, you know, lifting, do your cardio, your, your Zumba, you know, whatever, what have you. Now, uh, Mother Evolution, always, always funny. Um, the only exercise that you can do really close to bed that actually helps with sleep is high intensity interval training. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is that also, what is one high intensity interval thing some people do before bed with their significant other? Uh, so it, this is a, this is <laughs> okay. a, a sex exercise joke here. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> the, uh, like a very short burst of aerobic exercise actually helps with sleep if, if it's closer. But it, again, that's if someone's generally healthy, that may not be the case if someone has other medical contraindications, but in a, a more general healthy population, that would be the case. Deep shot. That's it. Done. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, so, so, so that now another, another question is people travel. I mean, we are happen to be on the same, you know, I guess time zone right now, but some people sometimes travel. I, I just experienced jet lag, you know, literally a couple of days ago. And I can tell you it's, it's brutal when you have a nine hour difference in, in, in the trip. Ooh. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, it takes a couple of days to adjust, you know, and that's, you have to like, really like 
fight it to get it there. So, so how how do we? I mean, is there a formula to to assist with that? I mean, I, I guess maybe there's a medical way to 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 work throughout you know your trip to to I guess reset or recalibrate you know in a way. Yeah, the the easiest way, uh, and this is really strongly backed by the research literature. Because again, we said the, the tale of melatonin, you know, how it started, how it ended. Uh, wait, wait. Uh, melatonin in a short term for jet lag specifically it is has really profound effects in terms of being able to shift someone's rhythm there and how you would use it and because you know we can get into like east versus west west versus east protocols and we would be here in another like 45 minutes but like the number one thing <laughs> to keep things Please. simple and actual yes sir uh would be to if you you know, again, permitting appropriate, all those good things. Melatonin has been shown to, regardless of the direction you're traveling, taking it so that you're trying to mimic that wave, right? Mm-hmm. For like the first three days, you're trying to adjust there. That will help you shift a lot faster. Okay. And that would be probably the, the easiest thing for people so, there. So, it, so, it just Go ahead. No, so, so so it's recommended to to take a supplement of melatonin if you are traveling in a distance to re like to almost expedite the process of your natural status. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you take it, it can actually help entrain or kind of uh, sort of retrain your your own natural. Be like, hey, be hot. Like, make melatonin at this time here. Okay, but like beyond beyond like four or five days, then you enter that phase of where now like are we becoming dependent on melatonin? So. Um, some people won't be fully adjusted. Into, I mean, obviously, it depends on the travel. You go from like Florida to Thailand, like that's gonna be that's gonna be hard either way. But uh, you know, this it'll help accelerate those first three days. Like maybe add on like another, or I mean, help at, like accelerate things by like 30, 45 minutes per day in terms of advancing or delaying your rhythm. All right, thank you. That so so now let's talk about the damage of lack of sleep. I mean, you know, some of the I guess the health uh, concerns or problems that can occur from someone who has a, I guess, a long-term lack of sleep, whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure not everybody comes to see a doctor. And unfortunately, I think that's, that's across all the different problems that we have. We tend to not go to doctors until it's really bad, <laughs> or at least yeah. we are forced to go. I mean, that's, that's unfortunate, but that's really a bad practice that we've adopted in general. People are, I'm good. I got this. I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to make it happen. But nothing happens until the body crashes. I mean, uh, listen, I mean, we've seen in movies, you can deprive someone from sleep. I mean, they go nuts, right? <laughs> so, 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 and and I know that's probably a real thing. It's not a, you know, just a movie thing. But, but the idea is, and by the way, doctor, correct me if I'm wrong here, <laughs> but, but the idea is that we want to make sure that people know what would be the problem if they continue not sleeping correctly and or they just have a limited amount of hours of sleep that is not sufficient for their body and what does that to them in a the long term yeah so it's it's gonna it's gonna continue to cut that budget there so when we think about this energetic budget a big part of that is repairs right and if given the option to repair like your brain versus like i don't know you got a cut on your skin or something like that or like your gut brain loses every single time central nervous system loses every single time in that one because it's a very high maintenance area because it it's, it's it's the most energetic intensive so it's the easiest to cut the budget from there and also again 
evolutionary wise, what's going to kill you sooner? Being like, kind of like, you know, not as mentally sharp or like not being able to digest food, you know, now, okay, we can argue for like a saber tooth tiger, but let's, let's exclude those for the time being. Um, so a lot of the cognitive issues. So like short term, it's going to show up in mood is going to be the number one. Okay. And, and, and really it's, it, it like really when your sleep falls apart it's just going to push you in a direction that you're kind of already going so like if you're prone to depression okay there you go more depression anxiety there you go uh it, it's just going to kind of worsen those things but the kind of the bigger thing that i think a lot of people downplay is the cognitive decline here okay uh and like like sometimes like when i'm you know, talking about clinic, like, oh, yeah, I would assume like all patients are like cognitively impaired if you have, which sounds really harsh, right? Like, no one, like, I'm a cognitively impaired. No. But if you have like one bad night of sleep, like, let's say you get five hours instead of eight hours, research has shown that you will have, if you looked in your cerebral spinal fluid, you would have some of those beta amyloid plaques, the same ones that they find in Alzheimer's from one bad night there. Huh. So you stack that up over years. This is why people like can't find words, you know, when they're 50 or, you know, they're just making silly mistakes or they're walking in a room. They're like, why am I here? You know, really that form of cognitive decline, memory issues, brain fog. When you look at like Alzheimer literature or dementia literature, one of the big questions is like, how can we spot this early? Right. And like there's genetic studies over here and they found some good things, you know, like APOE, we know about that. But like the number one factor that's really easy to identify is this cognitive slide here. Now, the problem with humans, we think we're great at everything at all times, right? We're the best at this. And also our kids are the best at that, right? So <laughs> uh, we can't really perceive our own cognitive impairment, right? You can't on like the first bad day of sleep, but act like very quickly, like on day three and beyond, everything seems fine, but it's like really not. So then that just becomes like a low grade thing that just over time stacks up to like, you know, th this is, I mean, I think this is fundamentally why we're seeing such earlier onset of dementia, of Alzheimer's here, because it's just like 20 years of whether it's sleep issues or, I mean, there's a lot of other chronic health habits that will fit in that picture, but definitely cognitive is going to be, um, I mean, to me, the scariest one, cause it's like, you know, there, there's losing the abilities. Yeah. It's just, just not fun. Um, then beyond that, it's just going to be, you know, take your pick of whatever it, it's going to like, you know, if you have like a rusty link on a chain, it's just going to kind of blow that open. So like, let's say, you know, gut issues, a little bit of gut, it's just going to accelerate that. Maybe everyone in your family has some sort of autoimmune issue, Hashimoto's, etc. That's going to accelerate a lot faster. Uh, another big area is going to be metabolically. You don't sleep well. And just weight loss is going to be hard. Uh, hormones are going to get thrown off pretty early, whether it's going to drive low T in men, whether it's going to lower progesterone, estrogen in women. Uh, it, it just like affects everything. Like blood pressure is going to go up, heart attacks. Like it, it's just everything. This is why, like, when people are like, "I don't sleep," I'm like, well, "Let me not try to alarm you." 
Well, well, doctor, I can tell you, I mean, I, this is me personally, and you know, probably people can relate and you can, you can confirm more or even help us understand more is that I listen, the days I don't have enough sleep, I mean, or like I, I force myself not to sleep, you know, uh, enough, your, your heartbeat is, is speeding up. I mean, I don't know, you feel mm-hmm. like your heartbeat is you know, triple time, not double time. You know, I mean, that's just the first thing. And then to your point, coherent, you know, stuff is not there. You're very itchy uh, or anything. You you can snap very quickly and you're not there. And then, I, you know, I am literally shocked to hear like the connection with onset or early onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, and it is sad to, to realize that because of the lifestyle that we have today in this particular modern age of us, of ours, you know, that really are ruining ourselves, you know, slowly but surely with the basic elements that are designed for us to actually be healthier for a longer term. I mean, like you said, sleep is is important. It's part of life. We need to have it. Yet it's probably one of the areas, as you said, it's not in a budget and we're going to, you know, do without it because we can do it. Now, a lot of maybe younger folks watching or listening right now think that they have the whole life and they have the energy. Because I can tell you this, me personally, I've experienced something that is unique because there was one week in my life, this this is a true story, that I worked triple shifts, not double shift, triple shift for this particular week. This was years back. And I was literally sleeping, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes in between this shift just to to kind of like, you know, you just clashed. And there was, after a certain point, three days down, uh, I was completely like a zombie. I was just like awake. I couldn't go to sleep anymore. My My whole system was crashed and I was just like going, going. And it felt good for a minute and then it just like, you know, everything shut down. And so I can tell you it is not, it was not a fun experience and I would not do it again. And I don't even think I could do it, but you know, this was something I've experienced. <laughs> it doesn't sound legal. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, it, it was a choice. It was just me doing it. It was, uh, I needed the money and I did it. So, I mean, it was just that, uh, but <laughs> you know, besides that part, I mean, I think, I think it was legitimate. It was just, it was too much overtime that I was doing. So it was, <laughs> it was with my own request, but the fact that the matter is from physical, I mean, it, the first three days were very hard. And then after that, it kind of like, you know, I was like, just awake, you know, it's like your body is like, you know, uh, on double shift working. But then after that, you know, you were just like crashed and it was just bad. It took a little minute to get back on track. And, you know, when you're at that age, this was like, I mean, uh, I'm going to age myself, but it's, it's okay. It's not a secret. Uh, over 30 plus years ago, this happened and uh, I was working and uh, it was just like, you know, uh, an experience, but it's for someone that is young today and you probably can think you can do all this stuff, but you don't know what that does for you. I mean, right now you just scared the hell out of me saying that, you know, that could be the reason of me getting some early onset, onset of dementia, Alzheimer's, and that's not something you want to, you know, live with, you know, if you, you are intended to live longer with very hardly recognizing things and remembering things, it's a difficult choice, you know, to make. So we should, uh, probably take care of our health and, and 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 our sleep balance you know early on throughout our life and maintain that as as part of our practice to to get healthy right doctor yes <laughs> I mean, the answer like, is the answer I, is i love it <laughs> distinct yes i affirm this uh yeah because i think because um so when I, when I when i speak with people who are like you know they're uh you know reaching out for help or anything like that um there's kind of two camps of people oh, okay, okay there's a lot of camps but like one of them is like their back is like against the wall sort of thing like hey the best time to fix this would have been like 
three years ago, right? But then, like, you know, things that, like, they're having that shut down, right? Maybe not as severe, but, like, you know, they're they're worried about keeping up with work. Uh, they're, like, the grouchy, grumpy parent all the time. The weekend is, like, pretty much broken promises and laying around and just doing nothing, right? That's one area. The other group is the, like, I want to be preventative, all right? If if I had a nickel for every person who said, I want to be preventative, who actually, like, did a lot of things, I would have a lot of nickels. I don't have a quantum, like, you know, the actual quantity on that, but, like, I could get something, I could pay for that Netflix subscription with all my nickels, let's say that. So, like, people, like, just have this, this uh, I call it, like, time elasticity, right, of where, like, long-term, like, if you were standing on a train track and there was a train coming, but it was eight miles away, you would still get off that train. There's no benefit to standing here <laughs> at this time. But, like, for, like, sleep, like you mentioned, if you're staying at a point, if you continue to have a certain behavior, you're going to get hit by something eight years later. Then why would you continue to stand there? Because people, like, don't really understand this sort of, like, time elasticity of it's coming. You should get out of the way from it, Right. Because it's very obvious. The answer is very obvious. If I said, if you don't sleep, you know, well, the next the next five nights, you're going to get Alzheimer's. You would do everything you can. And then you would probably have anxiety and not sleep well. And then it would just kind of mess up the whole thing. But point being, if like you were, you know, 50 meters away from the train, you couldn't move fast enough. So I think people need to, I mean, this is getting pretty existential, but like, <laughs> like remembering, like, you know, you're all, we're all going to die. Right. And I'm not saying that everyone who sleeps poorly is going to have an early death or increased mortality, but like the quality of life is not going to be there. So being able to really have more of that like longevity picture to it, because then like kind of the more you slow down in a way, like you, you will get more out of things, but um, you need to like really act not as if your back's against the wall, but also like remembering like, you know, it could be there. Because as the years go on, you're building a, a worse habit, a habit of ignoring it, not taking it seriously here. So that's the one aspect in terms of like, you know, people really, you know, kind of being driven by the pain of it. Because there's the preventive group who doesn't do it. But then like kind of the other group where people who are like, they're more driven towards like a goal, right? Of where they could have a reason. Because I'll have a lot of uh, patients who it's like, I just had... Um, like I just had my first son and I really want to be able to like be there for him and be present, right? Like having something that really pulls you towards that there, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise then it just becomes about like taking gummies and meditating. It's like, it's, it's impotent. Your actions are just like, just to do it. But like the more you're able to really have a strong reason to do it, that's going to keep you. Cause, cause a lot of what we're talking about, this is not like surgery, right. Of where it's like a acute thing. It's, it's chronic things, ongoing things, continued choices and decisions that will be driven by what you ultimately want. But when people don't like recognize that, then they, uh, they don't really take any good action. I mean, listen, doctor, first of all, I appreciate your, your analogies here. And, and, and fact is, you know, this is probably one of the shows that really we need to pay attention to because this is something that is important. As you said, this is not something that's going to happen immediately, but uh, there will be some quick stuff. But but the long term, 
you know, problems are going to get there. And if they get there, maybe too late at one point. Uh, and I think that's another issue. If you, when you're young, you, you, you see that you have a long life ahead of you, but time is going to travel fast. It's going to move so quick. And, you know, that party stuff that we all do in, in the early ages, you know, can catch up to you one way or the other. And the example, one of the, the similarities, I mean, I would say it's almost a, an addiction, right? You know, if you're not sleeping and you kind of get used to it, eventually it's going to affect you in the long term. Well, same thing when you take anything bad for you, it's just going to add up and eventually you can't get out of it and it's too late and, you know, maybe it's, you know, deadly. And I, I love what you said, we're all going to die, but that doesn't mean we want to, you know, live, uh, you know, uh, in a bad way. We want to be as healthy. As a matter of fact, doesn't matter how long we live. We just want to live healthier until that point, uh, as opposed to suffering along the way and not being physically fit to do a lot of things or mentally fit for do, to do a lot of things. And that's really what what this you know this this problem would probably wind up. I mean, Alzheimer's, dementia, those are not things that are fun, and I don't think anyone would want to live with them, uh, especially not early in their lives. And so that's that's definitely one. Now, doctor. We've talked a lot, of, you know, about how it works, you know, and some of the reasons behind it. Now, so what are some of the treatments that are available to get someone, you know, at different stages back to a better state of sleeping? I mean, you mentioned the sleep clinics, but I mean, that's one way. But but let's talk about like the different, I guess, uh, phases of getting better. Well, it's going to depend on like what exactly the the issue would be right so if we mm -hmm. kind of come back to our like beginning middle end and insomnia mm -hmm. here uh i would say i mean okay i don't have statistics on which one's more more common and they're pretty even across and you can have multiple you can have all three <laughs> by the way mm -hmm. if you if you're really lucky uh but it really depends on like one how how it shows up and two like what are the other things kind of going on because like if someone has hashimoto's right uh, that's a autoimmune uh, thyroid disease if someone has that you know that's going to affect sleep and we need to you know address Hashimoto's here they've you know uh, maybe they have Crohn's disease right uh but those issues notwithstanding because you you will want to you know address this a lot then you can focus more on those sleep aspects right of where you know helping your nervous system kind of come into a nice place there uh whether that's like mind body practices or just kind of like not freaking out during the day because uh, one of the, something people don't appreciate, like if you meditate, right, the effect meditation has on sleep is independent of when you meditate during the day. It doesn't have to be right before bed. So it, that's like that nervous system sort of threshold, right? Um, and also like kind of more, I guess, general health sense, uh, making sure like your melatonin is doing well, right? Whether that's like exercising at the right time, like we talked about, uh, or, you know, being mindful of your light, make sure you're getting like morning light because that'll help raise your cortisol. If you like working out in the morning, that'll help you bring your cortisol up uh, or just being stressed out by work in the morning. That will also help, but that's probably not a preferred way. Uh, so those would be like the general health ones because it's uh, like, because when someone has like a specific medical thing, um, that that's going to give a different flavor of like here. But then also like behaviorally, because uh, I mean, some people have PTSD, um you know anxiety all those different components so uh that's why when i said like sleep is really like a expression of how your overall health is um so it's not so much like do this for sleep now there will be for some instances right um but for the most part you want to be able to make sure you're you know addressing any sort of medical concerns health concerns 
you know, supplementing sleep as needed with other, you know, lifestyle changes that we, we have talked about here. All right. So, so doctor, uh, you are, I believe in Florida, but do you work across different states or, you know, people have to physically be with you for a treatment or there are ways to do this, you know, remotely to assist them when they have. Yeah. So guess, we, yeah. yeah. So we offer virtual health coaching services. We're working with people, right. And being able to, you know, I mean, fix your sleep. Okay. That's, <laughs> that, that's a big part. Uh, yeah. But again, cause you know, sleep is just a, uh, kind of an outward expression of those underlying issues uh, that come in a lot of different ways. Cause you know, sleep is definitely one of the biggest things that improve for people because we we get that sort of money back in their budget, so to speak, uh, in their body, but also working with other problems, right? Like like some of the ones I mentioned, thyroid, Hashimoto's, gut, uh, a lot of different things because it, it has a lot of common core, core commonalities. Sorry, that came in a little tongue twister there with your mitochondria there. So that's what we help people with and, and being able to help them do it in a very natural lifestyle approach here because the thing is, and this is kind of hard to uh, face um, whether you know it or not. Cause like there's a certain point in everyone's life where you have this epiphany that the food you ate or eat affects how you feel. Okay. Like it may happen when you're in your teens, it may happen when you're 20, but there's this sudden realization <laughs> that like, wait, mm. you're, you're, you're telling me what, <laughs> Like there's that moment and it seems so silly. Eureka. <laughs> yeah. But like, not only is there that, but like also like some, like some people listening to this may have been like, this is the first time I've ever heard a light at night. Effectively. Like there's so many of these things that we're not aware of that, you know, a lot of education is what we do and being able to help them identify what are those things in their life so that they're able to address things very holistically and, and be in, in a place of once they're working with us, allowing them to have better sleep and, you know, whether that's cognitive function coming back online, having the energy to really, you know, show up, be more present. That's where we bring people. Thank you. Doc. So, so one thing you mentioned just, just briefly, I think you, refer, you, you referred to like the food stuff. Is there an actual diet that, that, that affects people's sleep? <laughs> I mean, cause, I mean, cause, cause, cause we hear a lot of diets today. I mean, you know, yeah, from, there's not from, really. So okay. there, there's, there's kind of two, conversations around this so there's the whole like these foods contain melatonin whether it's uh pistachios uh and tart cherry juice are gonna be the top two i'm not gonna entertain kiwis because kiwis are just gross um i hope i just didn't insult like a whole user base but anyway the the thing is when you ingest things with melatonin what do we it goes into your gut right and actually most of it stays in your gut so uh, eating is not going to be the most effective thing, especially when it's actually properly digested. Now with like the other school of thought, cause, and this depends on someone's like metabolism. So like some people who they go very low carb, that'll really hurt their sleep, right? Uh, or some people like they must have honey or some sort of snack before they go to bed. The, those aren't necessarily you know, milk and honey is good for sleep. That's not, that's not what the headline should read. <laughs> okay. Right. What what the headline is, is that there are these underlying metabolic issues that are covered up by, I mean, usually carbohydrate is, is kind of the, the number one mainstay there. Uh, so that's why you want to spend more time addressing that because a, a diet can kind of cover it up, uh, but it's not something you want to hang your hat on. 
So you you basically assess what what the source of the problem uh, the problem is. I mean, by uh, obviously surveying them and asking like you know what some of the things. If they have any existing conditions, then those will be the first things you would observe and eventually determine if that's a link to the sleep. You know, uh, I guess deprivation they have or issues they have, and then ultimately work your way around it. And then you know you you set up a, I guess a system of uh, I guess preventative mode <laughs> and method. And program for them to follow. And so, so if someone comes to you, uh, what is a typical term? I, I'm assuming that that varies from one person, but you know, what would be an expectation of someone that has a problem uh, to to see some results eventually? The like the timeline. Yeah, I mean, so, I, so if, if if I come to you right now and I'm completely in <laughs> bad with my sleep, you know, what would be like some? Ex- I mean, uh, that's the first I'm going to ask you. Like, how long will uh-huh. it take me to get back? To a normal pattern i mean you know and i'm sure that everybody's gonna have a different way yeah you know, to get that. so uh so what i like to tell people is and and what is true as well people have shifts within like two to three weeks now there are some people who it's like two days and i get an email and they're like how are you harry this like you know that will happen but i don't want to set that expectation for everyone so when it's day three they're like why is this not like let's let's two three weeks you start to see some improvements there noticeable improvements then in terms of as time goes on it really does depend on like what's the severity of this issue because it's correcting how your your body can like you know is it some is it making the right neurochemicals is it like kind of getting back into this good alignment and function there but then beyond that is like your body now has to heal right and that's that can only go so fast there so depending on like that kind of stage like now things are healing uh that will determine it so like just as a few examples like whether we've had people who um you know they've been sleeping like four hours um a night for like five years and they're on clonopin which is a really strong drug um that's somewhere let's say two to six months of where they're like, Oh, wow, this is great. I, you know, and, and they can even have that conversation with the prescribing provider about being able to uh, safely adjust that medication, you know, again, in a safe fashion, of course, speaking with that prescribing provider, um, or let's say less severe, someone who's like, uh, it'll be a, a, Oh, my, uh, my baby is now falling asleep throughout the day. Right. Uh, but in the interim, my sleep has been absolutely destroyed <laughs> and it's not coming back. What do I do? Uh, that's more like a four to eight week scenario there and everything right. in between. Well, well, thank you. I mean, just just for people just to have an expectation, ultimately, like everything else, if it depends on how long you've been suffering and how long this situation, you know, has been happening, then obviously that determines the, the length of, you know, the, the cure or the, the phase of getting better, right? Now, now you mentioned uh, the thyroid and all these other things as the root causes, right? Uh, now, uh, that just leads me to a question, uh, especially for uh, women with, let's say, thyroid issues or menopause or even menses, you know, is there a correlation to sleep, you know, uh, problems at that point? And is there a way to assist them? Yeah. Uh, so just, uh, you know. so uh, for how do I want to go through the, the female reproductive lifestyle uh, life cycle? So um, let's start with reproductive age first. So estrogen and progesterone are are very important for sleep here 
Um, so like, so if someone gets hormone replacement therapy, if they get put on progesterone, like one of the things they'll say is like, wow, I sleep so much better sort of deal. Um, and the reason for that links back up to our friendly mitochondria, because those two hormones, uh, if we want to think about like estrogens, like the transmission of it. So like you don't have your foot on the gas, but the car is still moving. Okay. That's estrogen for your, your kind of metabolic engine here. Progesterone, that's the gas here. Okay. That's why women during like ovulation, uh, body temperature will go up or like uh, peak athletic performance will be at that time because progesterone there. Okay. Uh, so if in any fashion or any way uh, those hormones are low, that will affect sleep there. Um, now for menopause, this is also, I mean, okay, I'm not sure if people actually say this. It was maybe one research paper and I just think it's funny. Uh, they call it, they called it melatonin pause during menopause. Okay. All <laughs> because, right, all right. <laughs> uh, when you have that sudden, just like, because basically menopause is like, you know, it just completely takes away estrogen and doesn't give your body a predictable sort of time scale. Like, is it coming back? I don't know. Maybe because the definition of menopause is like you haven't had menses for like 12 months. Okay. Pretty long time period. In between there, women can be perimenopause. They go six months, menstruate. You know, you're not in menopause yet. So that unreliableness of estrogen will essentially take away your transmission. Okay. Which is everybody's like heart dropping moment. If your car hasn't stopped and someone's told you on that phone and then you're already imagining like three, $5,000 now gone. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and that's what that does to your mitochondria. Okay. It, it doesn't steal $5,000 from your mitochondria. That's a lot of Netflix, but it, it prevents them from producing that melatonin at a certain level. So that's why melatonin levels like drop dramatically during menopause. So the, the second sort of clinical Eric's for melatonin use, cause we talked about jet lag before mm -hmm. second one that's been shown to be effective beyond six months. Because when you look at these uh, big studies that look at a bunch of different studies, they're called meta-analyses uh, or systematic reviews. There's really not any research of in, besides the population I just mentioned, there's really nothing showing melatonin being effective beyond six months, like ever. And if it is, it's like you fall asleep eight minutes faster. You know, <laughs> great. <laughs> but in menopause, that can actually offset a lot of the sleep problems there so that's another use or use case scenario that's been demonstrated by research there so 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 definitely at menopause there's going to be a, a lack of sleep and a difficulty you know falling you know and so you'll have to supplement to a degree um or or seek treatment to be able to yeah well to uh, it, kinda... it depends because like if someone like let's say they go on hormone replacement therapy then you're like you wouldn't need that because the, the problem is because of estrogen being too low or um, you know, whether, you know, women eat a certain way or take certain supplements to help augment estrogen at the time that could offset the need for melatonin. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways there. Well, again, I mean, it, it's definitely, I mean, uh, a big question. Cause I mean, I've had a few discussions of, of about menopause and uh, perimenopause and, it, and especially, you know, for active, you know, women in, in, in 
that particular age group. But but even like younger, as you know, as you said, the men's is about a lower. You said that because of that, I mean, there's there's a spike, so it's a different way. And when menopause is the opposite, it's all stopping. So that's that. So the hormones are an important, you know, piece of of this this metabolism and and, and equation here in terms of the sleep patterns. Now for the guys, I guess we're we we have a different way. You know, I mean, there, is there anything similar to to the to the guys that are listening right now? Uh, not necessarily, because um, like because estrogen estrogen and progesterone are gonna be bigger players than sleep. Testosterone. Well, I, I guess there is. It's kind of on the other side. So uh, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, that can actually make sleep worse. So um, research has shown if you, and this is, you know, sleep apnea, which is uh, a lot of times patients with sleep apnea, they'll also be low in testosterone, right? So the, I'm going to sound mean, but the brilliant thought is let's testosterone because it's low. Come on, let's do it. Uh, but then that will actually increase the amount of um, apneic episodes or when you stop breathing at night. Um, and the reason is, this isn't really well fleshed out, so we're going to go out on a little bit of a limb, um, is that testosterone affects your respiratory centers in your brain there. Uh, that's not really super well painted out how exactly that happens, but that's what was implicated from that study. Well, doctor, that that's a big thing because it, I've I've read more recently that that testosterone is is at its lowest in 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 the man, you know, in the last you know, couple of decades. So it's actually there's a huge de- decrease of te- you know testosterone in in males in general. So I'm, I'm assuming we're all going to have a problem now sleeping uh, in in this particular equation here. So it, it's it's so the good news is it's good for business. We we you're going to have more of us. Which it out for you. Well, but... it, it's. Yeah, I, I would presume that you could probably find some sort of sweet spot here, where it's like not too high, not like a Goldilocks amount there. Because the thing is, because that study was, it was not necessarily in men who didn't have sleep apnea. It was in men who already had sleep apnea. So it made. It's again when you like combine something with an underlying medical condition, you're gonna you're gonna get something different. So it, it may not be the case. All right, well, thank you. Uh, so, so uh, listen, doctor. I think we exceeded the hour, but but I couldn't stop. I mean, I had to ask these couple of questions. Uh, now, um, you, in your practice, obviously, you do the the consultations, you do all the stuff. There's a there's a protocol that you use with the people. Um, do you use the the sleep clinics as if they're required or needed? Uh, and do, if let's say someone is not in your area, you, you would should, you? Yeah. Usually, when people come to us, they already have that data because you know okay. people. Yeah, people like like. Like the whole journey is usually someone goes to the doctor and then maybe they go to sleep specialist. Uh, maybe they get a CPAP and like five years, they're like, I hate this CPAP and like, or maybe like never really worked for them very well. Um, and, and just like, you know, they're, they're pretty far into it there. So typically, uh, you know, we're not really working with someone who's like, you know, I've been tired the last five days. What do you think is going on? I don't know. <laughs> what, what do you think was going on? But uh, usually people, they, they've were sleep tracker data those are things so they'll be like more kind of uh close term but um typically you know we're not gonna someone's already at that point it's not like you know like yep we checked your sleep's still really bad 
Well, so so technically, you, they come to you. They're already like way past that point. Now it's it's time to <laughs> to make the miracle happen and, and and shift things around for this. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it's great to have you. I mean, you know, think about this. I mean, a lot of people are going through that first steps and they're assuming that they're going to get results, but eventually, when everything shuts down, there is still light at the tunnel, and that's you guys. You know, <laughs> you know, at least to to there is a way to to get back, and so that's great news to hear. And, and thank you for for doing the work you do. Uh, so so that being said, Doc, how can people reach out to you uh, if they needed to to get some uh, connection and and some consultation with you? Yeah, so the best place would be to our website. Okay, so that'll be optimalcircadianhealth.com, which is if I could make the website longer, I would, uh, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's optimal. And then circadian is uh, C-I-R-C-A-D-I-A-N um, health.com. All right. Um, so that's it, uh, doctor. Uh, you know, thank you so much for, for really being with us today. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot. It was fun. And, uh, you've, you've shared a lot, a lot of things that probably our audiences would not have heard before or known about. I mean, ultimately, you know, we covered a lot of grounds. Uh, so what would be some of the words of advice or wisdom that you want to share with our audiences before we close out? Uh, oh, words of advice. The, mm -hmm. Always. the hardest question. Oh man. I, <laughs> I, let me tell you about like biophysics. Um, take care of yourself, right? <laughs> take care of yourself. Love each other. Okay. I love you. Um, I think being able to, I think like, I don't mean to say like, take your health seriously, but like, I think a lot of times we wait like until something is, is broken, right? Like irrevocably broken, right? Where it's like, I, I will never forget like the very first patient interaction I ever had ever. Like I'm talking about like volunteering at a hospital, <laughs> like that must've been like 17 years. I don't know. But like, it was someone who came in and this is taking a turn for the better, but like, he was like, yeah, so I'm having this uh, bleeding from my bottom and the nurse is like, how long has it been going on for five years? So like, you know, mm. it's, it's an example and a story, but like, it doesn't need to be bleeding. It can be whether it's like, you know, your kids know you as like, what, what mood are they going to be in? Cause you're tired. All right. Or like people don't even bother making plans with you anymore. Cause they know it's already going to be no, or like you're passing up, you know, opportunities at work, you're like those signs that like who you are and how you operate in the world are deteriorating. It's not aging. Don't brush it off. It's like really in a moment where you, you catch yourself having to say like, it's not that bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's only one type of person who says to themselves, it's not that bad. It's when it's that bad. So for that person being able to like, you know, recognize like who you can still be and just fixing issues. That, that's all it is. And, and not to keep pushing through. And then for the people who, you know, they're, they're, you know, like we said, they're pretty far along in this journey here. Okay. Cause the biggest thing those people still need to see is possibility. Okay. Cause like, we'll have people that are like, Oh, mitochondria, you know, like they'll, they'll kind of already kind of close things out because like they just in that pattern of being defeated, not having the hope, but like, if you continue to have that, it doesn't matter if like, you know, every major religious character comes down and is like, says like, here's, <laughs> here's your solution. You're already closed off to it. So the more you can be able to like step back into a place of possibility and recommit to like, 
you know, what you can overcome and who you can be, that's going to be, you know, really, I mean, honestly, better any advice. I mean, I think the advice or little tips I gave were kind of, you know, good, but like, <laughs> like being able to really reclaim that you can't overcome this and who you can still be, that's the most important because once you're at that level, then whatever tool you are given or guidance you you receive, you're able to get that much more out of that there. So that there's, there's my wisdom. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot of it. <laughs> uh, well, but, but, you know, I mean, you know, he, listen to your doctor. I mean, you would think it's common sense, but you, you know, unfortunately we all are, I guess, guilty a degree or another where we know things, but we just kind of ignore things because we think we're, it's not as much, but, but at the end of the day, we got to take care of business and we don't have to wait too long if things are not there. So, uh, I, 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 doctor, I, you know, it was fun. I appreciate, you know, every little nugget that you shared with us today. Uh, you know, again, this is a big part of our lives. I mean, sleep is, what is it? A third of our lives. Uh, you know, I mean, we're supposed to actually at least, you know, do that. <laughs> and if we don't, then it affects the other, uh, you know, whatever, two thirds of our lives. So, uh, it's, it's an important piece, you know, and we need to pay attention to it and don't ignore it and take care of it. And folks, as you're listening and watching, if you do have a problem and you've tried everything, you don't know, now we have a resource that you can actually reach out to. Dr. Dylan, you know, uh, he's, he's out there, he's doing the work. So if you're not sure, reach out and uh, see what, you know, uh, you can get out of it and hopefully you'll get the results. Two or three weeks is not too shabby. I think you can, you can, we can all live two weeks, three weeks to actually enjoy a better life eventually if we need to. So don't hesitate. And, you know, again, this is a worldwide show. I'm not sure, doctor, if, if someone calls you from a different country, does that apply? Or, I mean, as long as you can, they can pay, I guess that's fine. <laughs> as long as, is as, as, I mean, my Spanish is pretty rough, but as long as we can communicate. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's easy. Well, I mean, I think English is is, a, is a, the, the world language right now. So I think we'd be pretty good with that. So hopefully. I'm still trying to figure out English, but yeah, I, I understand. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's different levels of English, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So, but at least, you know, I think that that's an easy way to, to communicate but folks there you have it i mean there's no there's no excuse if you're out there and you have an issue with your sleep and you've tried things and it's not working i mean you've heard the logics you've heard the science uh that's not doing anything you need someone's expert well dr dylan petkus is going to make a difference for you so make sure you know you connect with him and so if you go to my website you click on uh, his picture you'll be able to go to him directly and of course there will be a, a link as well in the description of the show so there you have it doctor thank you so much for being with us thank you for having me my pleasure and folks this is the end i'm hurricane h we'll be talking soon new day new show new topic bye for now <laughs>